The scripture reading before this evening's sermon will be held in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Again, that's James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. There was a frustrated driver who had circled the block for a number of times and could not find a parking place. Finally, he parked illegally and he left this note on his windshield to whom it may concern. I have a, a very important appointment and I cannot be late. I've circled this block 20 times and I cannot find a place to park. Please forgive us our trespasses. When the driver came out some hours later, there was another note along with a ticket on his windshield. And the note with the ticket said, Mr. Driver, I am a parking meter and I have circled this block for 20 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I will lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> We're going to talk tonight about the truth concerning temptation. The Bible has a great deal to say about it. Temptation is unique because it is no respecter of persons. It does not matter how old or young we are, we face temptation. It does not matter whether we're male or female, we face temptation. It does not matter what country we come from, what culture we came from. It does not matter what educational background we have. All of us experience temptation. It is a common lot of all people. And one of the questions we might legitimately ask as we come to scripture is, What's the source of temptation? Where does this come from? In our reading in James this week, we studied a passage, we read a passage in James chapter one about the nature of temptation. Open your Bibles if you haven't already done so to James one. Let's read verses 13 through 17. James one beginning in verse 13. Listen to what the scripture says. James one beginning in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, verse 18, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I'm fascinated by that passage because it tells us about temptation. I'm also especially fascinated by that passage because it tells us a lot about God. It says in verse 13 that God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. It tells us in verse 17 that God is the giver of only good things. 
And so it still leaves us with the question, where does temptation come from? And what does God want us to know about it in this passage? Let's consider this. As we think about temptation, you know, sometimes people have said opportunity may only knock once. Temptation has a habit of knocking over and over and over and over in our lives. And all of us, if we'd really examine ourselves and examine our lives, all of us struggle with certain sins. And the sins I struggle with may not be the same sins that you struggle with, but all of us struggle. And if we'll really get serious about looking at our lives and examining ourselves, there are some habits, there are some tendencies, there are some sins that all of us engage in. Where do those sins come from? Where does temptation come from? Let's talk about this in three parts tonight. As we look at James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18, let's talk first of all about the source of temptation. Where does it originate? And if you're looking carefully and thought about the passages we were reading it, in the first place, the source is not God. God is not responsible for tempting us to sin, for trying to entice us to do the wrong thing. It's not Him. It says there in James chapter 1 verse 13 that God is untemptable. He cannot be tempted by sin. I find comfort in that. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1 verse 5. God is always truthful. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. And there is nobody that can make some kind of presentation to God where God will have a desire to sin. He is not capable of being tempted. He is always doing the right thing. He himself is the standard of what's right. He is the standard of morality and what's excellent and what's true. But then it goes on in James 1.13 and says, neither does he tempt anyone. You see that in your Bible? God does not tempt people to sin. It is not his goal, it is not his ambition to cause you to do something that he has clearly said in his word is wrong, is sinful. That principle has relevance for our generation when so many people are asking questions like, why would God give me this desire? Why would God make me this way? Why would God build me in this manner when he knew that I would be tempted to do what he says is wrong? The passage says the temptation that we experience, no matter who we are, it does not originate with God. He is not responsible for our temptation to sin. So where does the temptation come from, James? If it's not coming from God, the source is, and he lists one thing primarily, but two things implied in the passage. In the first place, It is our own desire, our own lust. And the way that the Bible is using the word, the term desire or lust, depending on your translation here, it is a Greek word that means a passionate longing for something, a strong desire for something. God built human beings with strong desires. We have desires to eat. We have a desire to procreate. We have a desire to be known and to be heard and to be understood. We have a desire to belong. And all of those are legitimate desires when they are expressed within the confines and with the authority of God's word. All of those desires are legitimate. But temptation, brothers and sisters, is when we take those desires that God has given us and we direct them toward things that God has said are not right, are not authorized. 
And so the scripture says, each one is tempted when he is carried away by his own lust, his own desire, and enticed. And that leads us to the second part. What is the source of temptation? There is some external object, or you might even write this in your notes, an external opportunity. An opportunity to do what I really want to do. And the scripture says we are lured and we are drawn away, we are carried away by the lust, by the desire in our hearts, and we give in to temptation in that way. It's like a fish. The fish has a strong desire to eat and it wants to eat something that tastes really good and it wants to be challenged to catch whatever there is in the water. And so the smart fisherman realizes that no fish anywhere in the world desires just a bare hook. And so a fisherman will place in front of the fish an external object, something that is enticing, something that is appealing, something that looks like and maybe even tastes like what the fish enjoys eating. And when the fish, with its desire, sees that external object pass by, the fish takes the bait. And that is a really effective picture of sin. Where does sin come from? Where does temptation come from? James makes no bones about it, brothers and sisters and friends. James says, temptation comes from me. It's my desire that's not being directed in godly ways. It's my desires and my, my wants and my wishes and my cravings, those things. That's where sin comes from. And then there's an opportunity that's presented or there's an object that is sinful and my desires are directed toward that. That's where sin comes originates. It does not come from God. And so when people say, I have an inclination to desire maybe some, a member of the same gender, for example, in a, in a sexual way, I have that desire. What James is saying is the desire itself is misdirected. It's not directed in a way that pleases God. That's not the way God ever built us. The desire is there, but the desire, the temptation comes from us, not from God. Continuing, as you think about what the scripture is saying here, James puts, and this is all of us, some of us have a strong desire to gossip. We just get a lot out of that. Some of us have a strong desire to slander other people. Some of us have a strong desire to speak evil or to be angry all the time at other people. Some of us have a strong desire, for example, uh, in a sexual way. Some of us have really strong desires to, to be included and be part of some group that we think is worth being a part of. And we have these strong desires, but we direct them in evil ways. And that's what's wrong. That's the source of temptation. It comes from us, not from God. Secondly, let's talk about the results of temptation. Look at verse 15. He gives a formula and he's using the metaphor, the illustration of childbirth. He says, when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is accomplished, brings forth death. You see that? Let me use a different illustration. All sin, brothers and sisters, has three parts to it. Temptation is like a weed. This is the time of year, if you like to mow your own yard, even if you don't, this is the time of year when the weeds start to grow. 
before the San Augustine grass gets going, when it gets warm in a month or two, this is the time when lots of weeds like to grow. And weeds always start with a root. And then the root produces a stem. And then that stem, eventually, some of the weeds in your yard, they'll have a flower, some kind of fruit on them. And that's what temptation is like. It's like a weed that has a root and a stem and a fruit. Consider what's being said in verse 15. Our desire for sinful things, that's the root, that's the problem. I've been thinking about, I've been longing for, I've been craving something that God says is wrong. It's sinful. Sin is accomplished when we act on those sinful desires. The Greek word there in James 1.15 is harmartia. It means to miss the mark, like an archer who's aiming for the bullseye and misses. Or like a student who takes a test and does not have a passing score. He missed the mark. And that's what he's saying about sin. You have missed God's will for your life. You've missed the mark. And then that stem of that weed grows and it brings forth fruit. And sin always, always brings forth spiritual death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin always brings sure defeat. Sin always has this truth about it. It always takes us farther than we thought we would have to go. And it always keeps us longer than we thought we'd have to stay. And it always, always costs us far more than we were ever willing to pay. When you stop and think about the high price of sin, James wants us to think about it like a woman in labor bringing forth fruit, bringing forth a child, or in our case, like a weed. Now, this helps us, brothers and sisters, because if you think about the weed illustration, how do you deal with sin? Maybe you've got some sin in your life. I I, I know all of us do that we struggle with, and maybe you have been trying this strategy. Maybe we just think about the situations in which we are tempted to sin and we say, well, I'm just going to avoid those situations. Or we start a various number of strategies for in the moment when I'm being tempted, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's almost like our strategy for getting rid of sin in our lives sometimes is kind of like taking a lawnmower in March in Houston This doesn't apply to other parts of the country necessarily. But take a lawnmower in March in Houston and mow over those weeds. Question, do the weeds go away just because you mowed over them? They do not. In fact, if anything, they multiply. What have you got to do if you want to get rid of the weeds in your yard? You got to get out there and you've got to more or less by hand pull them up by the roots or find some kind of really fancy chemical that'll take care of the root system. What the Bible would indicate to us, brothers and sisters, about dealing with temptation in our lives is that the root of the problem is in our hearts. The root of the problem is in our minds. It's the way we're thinking. It's what we're dwelling on. It's the things that we're we're saying to ourselves during the day, the things that we daydream about. That's the root of the problem. And the way to deal with temptation and sin, the strategy for us needs to be not just let's mow over all these weeds and hope that there's no fruit from it. 
The strategy for dealing with sin is I need to think about what I'm thinking about. And I need to set my mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And I need to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I need to think about things that are true and noble and just and virtuous and lovely. Those things that are of good report, of praiseworthy nature and excellent nature. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I need to dwell on those things because the heart of the problem really is a problem with our hearts. Sin, when it is accomplished, brings forth death. Why? Because there was a bad root and we've allowed it to stay in our hearts. Notice third, as you think about this passage, temptation, it's battlefield. In my opinion, the key verse, the key phrase of this entire section is verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Because what the devil would like more than anything is for us to be deceived about where temptation comes from. If we could just blame somebody else, we'd be doing what Adam did. When God sought out Adam, he said, this woman that you gave me, she's the one that took the fruit and well, she told me to eat it, so I did. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived about sin itself, about where it comes from. It comes from my desires, it comes from your desires. The things that I've been harboring in my heart that you've been harboring in your heart, those are the things that lead to sin in our lives. And if we want to deal with sin in our lives more effectively, we need to ask God's help to think about what's going on in our hearts. Don't be deceived about sin and don't be deceived about where sin will take you. Just like a fish that takes that bait is going to lose its life, so also when we take the bait of sin, terrible eternal consequences follow. Don't be deceived. Secondly, don't be deceived about God. Look at verse 17 very carefully. I mentioned at the beginning of the lesson, this passage says some profound things about the nature of our God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What that means, brothers and sisters, God only gives good things. God always gives good things. You remember back in the Garden of Eden what Satan did to tempt Eve? Satan said, Eve, you're missing out. God's holding out on you. There are such good things that you could have in life if you would just disobey God's will. If you would just do what God said you shouldn't do, you would experience some things that, man, I just can't even, I can't even describe how good it's going to be, Eve, when you do what God said not to do. And the lie is God's holding out. And James is saying in James 1.17, listen carefully, God is not holding out on any of us. God has given us his word. He has given us his will in order to direct us and show us what he desires for our lives. He only gives good things. He always gives good things. And there is nothing that is good for us in an ultimate sense that will be found outside of or in violation of his will. We've got to believe that by faith. We've got to believe that that's true because God really is who he claims to be. 
And if God says that I'm not missing out on any good thing outside of his will, all I want to do with my life is stay within his will. How about you? Don't be deceived about God. He's not holding out on you. He's not trying to hide things from you that you really deserve and you really ought to have. That's not who God is. And then third, look at verse 18. Do not be deceived about salvation. Of his own will, he brought us forth, Christians, by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. One of the things that all of us need to do when we think about temptation, we think about sin and sinful habits in our lives, we need to go back to who God is. We need to go back to the word of God and what it teaches. When Jesus was tempted on three occasions in Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11, each time he quoted a verse, each time he used scripture to fight temptation. What's your strategy for dealing with temptation in your life? Do you just capitulate? Do you just give in? Do you just do whatever your desire is? What's your strategy for putting away sin? Temptation comes from us. Let's get serious about listening to what the Word says about how we handle these things. And let's not blame God for the things that God is not responsible for. Maybe you're here this evening and you need to respond to heaven's invitation because you know that you've given in to sin and you know that you're outside of God's will. If we can help you to obey the gospel tonight, we would love to be able to do that. Or maybe you need to respond and you'd like to ask for prayers. Whatever your need is, won't you make it known while together we stand and while we